Good morning, good afternoon, or good evening, and welcome back to the Cyber Law Revolution podcast. I'm your host, Spencer Pollack. Uh, glad to have you back. Keep those questions, comments, calls coming, 410-832-2002, or email me at spollock, that's P as in Paul, O-L-L-O-C-K, at wtplaw.com. Uh, another day, another great guest that we have on today. We've got Neil Desai from Lockton who is the vice president of the cyber practice in the Southeast region. Neil, thanks for coming on the show. Thanks, Spencer. Thanks for having me. Uh, definitely. Let's, uh, well, let's just kind of jump into it. Can you kind of explain a lot of questions I get from people calling in about the show or sending questions in is what does cyber kind of brokers do? So walk us through, I don't know, your day-to-day or your role in the cyber world. Yeah, so I think in in this current cyber insurance market, unfortunately, a lot of what we're doing is relaying bad news regarding renewals, whether that's related to reductions in limits or increased retentions or obviously increased rate premium. We are not seeing very good across-the-board results during 2021, given the current state of the cyber insurance market. But more generally, what we do is help our clients understand where their cyber tech you know, risk and exposure lies, help them understand or, or gain as much knowledge as they can on what appropriate limits may or may not be, where does it make sense to transfer risk to insurance, up to what layer, and where does it make sense to keep that risk on the internal balance sheet. Uh, of course, educating our clients on what the cyber insurance market is looking like, what controls are they harping on what are the claims trends we're seeing you know across the board with the various carriers that we work with and then cultivating those relationships with insurance carriers you know around the country and with underwriters to make sure that we're not only getting the best terms but ensuring that we are placing clients with the right carrier that will suit the needs of, of the specific organization whether that be the coverage of course but also the ancillary services that carriers provide whether that's tabletops or other um kind of added on add-on services that carriers offer when you when you buy into cyber insurance coverage. So that's kind of an overview of what we generally do. Interesting. Interesting. So it's kind of the all-encompassing role for a client or insured. Um, you know, I know the cyber market right now is difficult. So how can a client really best present themselves to an underwriter or an insurer to get that really locked in policy? Yeah, I think first and foremost, there needs to be some level of awareness of the current cyber market within the C-suite of an organization. So you want to ensure that the people that are stakeholders in the company that are actively involved in day-to-day decision-making are fully aware of just the sheer magnitude of cyber risk and why it's important to be looking very closely at how you're transferring that risk and how you're ensuring that risk if needed. Um, But secondly, the controls are just crucial in this day and age. Two or three years ago, when the cyber insurance market was still, you know, I guess more so in its infancy, you could generally get renewals pretty easily. It was a soft market. There wasn't too extensive of an application process. You were able to kind of generally provide some minimal level of information and and find coverage at the limits you were looking for at, at good terms and at a premium that wasn't too outrageous. Now, 
given the rise in ransomware events, both from a severity and frequency standpoint, we're just seeing insane rate increases and very, very laser-focused um, endeavors by our carriers on what controls that our clients have in place. So the deal breaker right now is definitely MFA. If you don't have MFA kind of across your enterprise, you know, not just for remote access, but for, for backups, for, for cloud access, for privileged accounts, you are highly likely to be deemed uninsurable by the majority of the insurance markets that are currently out there for cyber. But there are a stringent number of controls that carriers are looking for, ranging from MFA to backups to your patching cadence, your legacy software that you're running. And the best way a client can prepare themselves is to get way out ahead of their renewal and ensure that they're looking at all of those controls and at the at minimum have a plan in place for how they're going to be addressing them. Yeah, it's always, I feel like, about the preparation and then being able to really tell that story. Um, what are, I don't know, a couple of deal breakers that you've seen really come up that some of the listeners should be aware of to avoid? Yeah, so like I said before, deal breaker number one is for sure MFA. If you are lacking totally an MFA, and you don't even have it for something as simple as for the most part, it's a flip of a switch. You are very, very unlikely to get insurance. Um, but secondly, from there, backups are very, very important to carriers now because they want to ensure that you have the ability to recover from a ransomware attack without the need to pay a ransom if possible. And so they're looking to make sure those backups are offline, that they're offsite, that you're backing up daily, that you're testing those backups frequently so that you know not only are you properly uh, maintaining those backups, but you, you know that if you do suffer a catastrophic ransomware event, that you're going to be able to actually recover from that through your backups relatively quickly. Um, you know, thirdly, you definitely want to have a incident response plan in place, a business continuity disaster recovery plan. Uh, it's very hard to market yourself as a good risk if you can't even articulate that you have something in place that will respond in the event you do suffer an attack. So are the people internally aware of who's going to be responsible for reporting this to your insurance carrier? Are they aware of what the protocol is if you have a, a cyber event? You know, those are three things that are definitely very, very critical, but obviously there are a number of factors that go into being a good risk when you're attempting to obtain cyber insurance. Very interesting. Very interesting. Um, if I guess to finish, what is one thing the audience and the listeners should take away regarding where we are right now and where we're moving forward when it comes to cyber insurance? I think the number one thing is to stay ahead of the curve and be prepared. This is the first real calendar year in which we've seen the cyber market in the state that it's currently in. Uh, we're seeing rate increases across the board, You know whether the client has pristine controls in place, has a very, very good plan um, for incident response, has people involved at the highest levels, levels of the company, uh, with the cybersecurity posture and the cybersecurity plans for the future. Um, and of course, seeing even more hefty increases for those that have more lacking controls and not as much attention being focused on their cyber posture. So I think preparation and just understanding why we are where we are are going to be crucial as we move forward. Uh, you have to be monitoring what 
controls are, are being looked at, why those controls are being looked at, what are the attack vectors that have been utilized by, by threat actors to proliferate ransomware in the way they have. And you know, without that preparation and without educating the organization as a whole on why that preparation is needed, uh, you're just not going to be able to continue to maintain cyber insurance to the level you'd like. So I think preparation and staying ahead of the curve are, are going to be crucial as we move forward. And that's where a cyber broker can really come into play and be beneficial because they can help educate the organization on what the market currently looks like, where it may be going in the future, as well as kind of educate you on the coverages that are available and what we may see as limited coverages as we move forward. Because, you know, separate and apart from the rate increases, the limit reductions, the retention increases, we're seeing a lot more restrictions on coverage than we historically have seen. Um, there's a lot of new endorsements that are being added to policies, new exclusions. Uh, so I think it's going to be very interesting to see how coverage uh, gets more into focus as we move forward. Very cool. Um, it's definitely going to be an interesting maze to navigate. Um, Neil, I really appreciate you coming on. A lot of good insight. Um, and uh, as for the listeners, obviously keep those questions, calls, comments coming, 410-832-2002, or email me, spollock at wtplaw.com. And uh, Neil, thank you so much again. Yeah, thanks, Spencer. Good, good being with you. Yeah, so everybody out there, have a uh, good morning, good afternoon, or good evening.